And we are live. Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances. But most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadef. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu alaikum. Greetings and may peace be upon you all. Welcome, welcome to the Female Solution Blog Talk Radio, and we are in Viata's tiny house village. This is my 320 square feet of space here. You're only seeing a little bit of it, but this is my living room. And if you're just uh, joining the Female Solution and the other's Tiny House Village, why am I on the floor? Yes, I'm on the floor because we're going to do some joint rolling. And joint rolling is what I promote for all my viewers to do first thing in the morning, even before you get out of bed. Why? Because it's a fly exercise. First love yourself. That's what this journey is all about. And that's what we're going to help our veterans absorb today. Fly. First, love yourself and have a relationship other than military government because they are crazy. So we're going to get into our joint rolling, but I just want to um, give you a view. For those of you on Blog Talk Radio, if you can't see me, uh, we start out our joint rolling by rolling this big, heavy head around and stretching out this neck. And this is where a lot of your lymphatic glands are. 
in this area. So when you do this, you're actually activating those glands, moving toxins out of the body, moving toxins from around the ear. This is just stirring up things and moving it out, moving it out. You can do a little massage work and help drain all that lymphatic system. Then we go to our shoulders and we roll back and forward and we do some swimming in the sea of energy. And then we get on our backs because we want to kick our legs and arms up, roll our, 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 our wrist joints and our ankle joints together, our knee joints and our hip joints. And I'm going to show you some alternative ways to roll the joints. If you, if you have trouble rolling your legs and your arms and wrists, I'm going to show you some simple ways to still get your lymphatic system moving and draining, your circulation improving, you get that blood flow going, and most importantly, now that it's getting colder, uh, at least other parts of the world, maybe not Florida, but we're still in summer, fall, summer, fall during the day. And then your um, immune system. You want to get your immune system pumped up and ready to be your army in this uh, cold season that is upon us. So let me play. Uh, we're gonna, we always put on our Time for Healing music by the Sounds of Blackness. This music just stays relevant. I, I think for the last two years, this is what I've been introducing to my workout because it's so relevant. Time for healing, time for love. Uh, if the world has gone insane, it's all in there in the world. So enjoy the music while we do our workout for the next seven minutes or so. All right, let's do Oh. 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 Oh.
That'll help your joints in your hips get lubricated and flexible, more flexible, circulate, improving your circulation, moving that leg up and down. All right. So let's finish off by rubbing the bottom of your feet and your hands together. You know, meridians activated. This is always a good warming up the whole body exercise. And grab those knees, hug your knees, and rock side to side. Get that spinal cord massage stimulated. And roll to one side and push up. And we're back up, ready to top it off. Some uh, Vegas nerve massage. Rub those hands together. Stir up the heat, stir up the heat, stir up the heat, and then place those hands in the back of the neck and squeeze and release. Squeeze and release. Breathe in, squeeze, exhale. Breathe in, exhale. Breathe in, exhale. Breathe in and exhale. Shake those hands off. And let's just pat down our arms, give our arms some love. Our, all our skin, our skin is the largest external organ in the body. So it needs attention, attention. So how do we get this touch? Massages. If you can't get someone else to do a massage, do yourself. That's what fly. First, love yourself. Pat around the uh, thymus gland sits right here in the middle of your chest. That's to your immune booster. You said a thymus gland, no colds or flus this season. If you're boosting up your thymus gland, let's massage around the breast. Get those uh, muscles and tissues loosened up. Massage, rub gently. Love, 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 love. Of course, let's not forget our microbiome around our navel. Pat around your navel. Massage that colon. Get stuff moving out. Moving out that crap. Move out that crap. And just pat. Love, love, love. Finally. Let's not forget our adrenal glands and kidneys. Give those kidneys and adrenal glands a love pat. Massage around there. Love, 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 love. I love you, kidneys, adrenal. Thank you. Thank you for all your work you do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right. You did it. Give yourself a pat on the back. Clap. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's go into the studio. We got a lot to talk about, and we just got to bless our veterans today. It's my ceiling. Lots of plants growing up there in my ceiling. So welcome, everyone, to Boot Camp for Peace. We're here on Veterans Day. So glad to have this day to celebrate. Well, I don't want to say celebrate. I want to honor and recognize and put our focus on the men and women who made choices that um, were very risky. The consequences could have been very risky. This man behind me, my dad, was the first veteran that I had a close relationship with. This man served in the military. In fact, I'm going to read to you this morning from his book, Sherman J. Howard, Football and Beyond. 
because uh, we have a chapter in here. He and I wrote this book together. And chapter two is from the battlefield to the football field because he played, he was in the military. I don't know if you can see that. He was in the military. And then he left the military and went to professional football. So two fields that he learned some valuable lessons on. And that's today what we want to help our veterans develop in their own minds and souls and hearts that the lessons are what's really important as they overcome their military experience. But my dad at the age of 18 was drafted into the United States Army. And one of the things he always talked about was what he, at that in the 1940s, um, let's see, because he was in um, World War II and International Middle, 1939 to 1945. Six years that, that war lasted. And um, what he always shared with me was, at least they got a they got filling meals as well as what they they got shots against disease so they were vac- they, they were vaccinated back then and so he he felt that was a, a a positive going into the being drafted into the military it was a positive because he was from a a, a life of poverty which many of our young men are uh, experiencing before they go into the military, before they either get drafted or volunteer, they have experienced poverty. Some of them may have been homeless, uh, some, but many of them didn't have money. So going into the military was a plus for them, as my dad said, received, received good meals. So he looked at it in a very positive way. So he writes that we write in his book, World War II, that was the veteran experience for my father, uh, six years. He wasn't in there six years. I think he was in there too. But he says white, black, Asian, Native, and Hispanic Americans participated in that war, either on the front lines or in supportive roles, as was the case of many black troops. Many of the African Americans in World War II didn't fight on the front line. They were in a, a position of supply, uh, moving, uh, unloading ships, and that type of thing. Uh, soldiers who serve their country, whether as draftees or not, deserve respect and honor for risking their lives on or near the battlefield. Unfortunately, racial discrimination affected the treatment received by black men who served in World War II and other previous com- conflicts. Even though they served honorably throughout the war in segregated units commanded by white officers, the color of a man's skin determined the respect and equality he received, which indicated the need for movement toward racial equality. So on December 19, 1945, my father and the black men he served with were scheduled to return to the United States. So he told me about an experience coming back from uh, the Europe that um, their homeward-bound journey was unnecessarily troubled. The troops were assigned to travel aboard the USS Philadelphia. However, the U.S. commander of the Philadelphia refused to allow Negroes to transport aboard his ship. This was the same vessel, ironically, where 15 black mess men wrote an open letter protesting their treatment in the Navy. 
So he talked about the, the rough ride he had back on a ship, even though they didn't get on the original ship. They had another ride back that was so tumultuous and rough that they feared for their life coming back on a ship. But um, my dad in 1943, these are his words about his war experience, this man behind me, Sherman Howard. In 1943, World War II was still going on, and I was drafted. I, I served in a segregated unit called Port Battalion, and like most blacks, was assigned duties in the transportation unit. He would unload various ships, removing guns, trucks, tanks, and other cargo. Including basic training, we were stationed in the States for half a year, and then for two and a half years, we were in Europe unloading supplies. We were around the places where battles had been fought, but in my service, I was never involved in a wartime battle. In other words, we were in the area, but not. So my dad was blessed, 1940s, not to have to go on the front line battles which many of our veterans, especially the Vietnam War, were right in the midst of the killing and uh, fighting in Vietnam. So on the front lines, it gave him a different perspective. The blessing for my dad, I played football in the service. Right after the war in Europe, General Dwight Eisenhower started a special service division which included baseball, football, track, and baseball. I played base, bat, I played football, basketball, and ran track uh, under that program in June of 1945. It was called the GI Olympics in London. Many people believe sports can help break down racial barriers. So that was my dad's experience. So I did not um, have to relate to a father who had PTSD or any uh, serious emotional imbalances uh, because of his time in the U.S. military army. But we're going to talk about a book today called Soul Repair, uh, Recovering from Moral Injury After War. And one of the things I reflected on about my dad and maybe the the experience he had in the military prohibited him from um, living with my mother who became addicted to alcohol. Their marriage had ended because he could not uh, relate, deal with, uh, process her addiction for too long. And so that my marriage, my dad's marriage to my mom ended in divorce uh, because actually he grew up um, a fam parent, a, a wife, or not a wife, a mother who had parties every weekend in New Orleans where alcohol was uh, was in, was taken in excess, lots of cleanup for him. So his experience in his family, uh, plus his experience in the war, I believe, even though it was not on any level of some of the men who went to Vietnam, but it was indeed uh, a, an emotional time for all men and women to go into service as in the military. So today we want to honor these men and women for their courage. Uh, one of the characteristics that I believe comes out of men who go in the military is not just courage but integrity. Men and women 
in my opinion, who serve in the military have a lot of integrity, courage, and even organizational skills, I would say. Between my dad and my first husband, who is a Vietnam veteran, I would have to say what I admired about these men was their integrity. And then uh, especially um, my current relationship that I'm in with a man who also served in Vietnam, integrity is a shining characteristic of these men, these three military men in my life who are demonstrating their word is gold. What they say, they do, they follow up on it, they don't lie. That was my experience with my dad, my first husband, and my current uh, close relationship with a Vietnam veteran. Character, integrity, and courage, and strong mind. Uh, These men come out of that war with a strong mind, but the, the downside or the negative is this. Uh, in the introduction of the book Soul Repair, Recovering from Moral Injury After War, it's written by two women who had very challenging family dynamics because of their father's participation in the military. And she starts out with a quote that says, to violate your conscience is to commit moral suicide. And that's how the book, the introduction starts. It starts with the journey home to peace is a perilous effect or perilous after war. It's per- so when, when these men go off to war, coming back is the, the perilous journey or perilous um, part when they're coming back trying to find peace and it's challenging. So today we want to hug these men. In, well, in reading this book, many of these veterans said they did not want applause when they come back. They didn't want to be recognized as heroes because they were struggling with their conscience. And described the, a wound of war called moral injury is the violation of core moral beliefs. And you have PTSD on the one hand, but this book really uh, outlines and goes into detail that moral injury, the violation of core moral beliefs, is not the same as PTSD. We've all heard about post-traumatic stress disorder. But the difference between them is partly physical, she says. Fear victim reaction to danger. It produces hormones that affect the brain's amygdala and hippocampus. That's PTSD. Whereas uh, moral energy, immoral questions emerge from the traumatizing symptoms of PTSD are relieved enough for a person to construct a coherent memory of his or her experience. Emotions are essential to moral conscience. But until people can construct uh, enough of a coherent narrative all to grasp what they did, they cannot evaluate. So men and women are struggling today after war with the coherent narrative and evaluating the moral dilemma of it. Thou shall not kill, for instance. And there's inner judgment against the person, which creates that moral um, uh, conflict. 
basic moral identity and violated core moral beliefs. So there's a book, The Unmasking, The Unmaking of a Marine, that was written by a veteran of Iraq, reflects on the apparent inability of societies. We, society, are just as guilty to learn from works of art about the torture that war inflicts on the souls of veterans. So that's where we start today in an introduction of why we as a society need to begin to participate in the healing of our brothers and sisters who went to war and experienced the kill, 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 and who were in that boot camp for war, kill, kill, kill. And even though, as I said, what comes out of it may be integrity and more organization discipline, there is this emotional inner conflict because they were in a relationship with military authority versus the higher spirit of love, the creator's action that put us together. That relationship is where we want to develop today is what will heal our veterans is helping them to develop a relationship, not with the military authority, not with their commanders in that war telling them kill, 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 and then they come out confused and um, sad and depressed and all the other emotions that go along with uh, after war, but that we want to help them as a society to forgive themselves and forgive, ask for forgiveness. I think at this point, the whole country, especially United States, needs to ask Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Vietnam, and now eh, Palestine, let's throw them in because we got soldiers going to Palestine right now. We need to ask all of the people whose lives, we need to ask all these countries uh, that we help to shed blood and kill their children and wives. We need to ask them for forgiveness. So, uh, I'm going to go to a break. When I come back, I see your hand, 872-200. We're going to get to your call first after the break. And I hope you'll call your veteran friends. This is going to be an uplifting show today, but we're going to get into this book a little bit and to understand and, more important, understand the need for soul repair and recovery and instead of uh, cheering them as heroes, these veterans want a hug, and they want a cup of tea and hours of listening, I think, more than anything. But I hope veterans in the studio and audience will chime in and uh, contribute today uh, to what are your needs and how are you feeling and how can we as a society help you now. So we'll be right back after these messages. Oh, man, God sent the monthly sun bill today. This sunlight is really expensive, especially during this season. I'll probably have to work overtime to pay it. Well, you better pay it on time. We don't want the sun to go out and we're sitting up here all day in the dark. Wouldn't it be terrible if God charged us for sunlight? Well, thank God, the light and heat from the sun is free. So why are we paying such high bills for the energy we use in our homes? Because we don't know how to use solar energy, the free energy from the sun. 
You can convert your regular home to a solar energy home and save tremendously on your electric bill. Take a look at your electric bill. Wouldn't you like to reduce or possibly even eliminate that cost altogether? Let one of our solar consultants show you how. Call today, 312-849-3456, and schedule a free consultation. That's 312-849-3456. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com, and I'm Viato. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773 780-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com opportunity not to go and be a glutton at some restaurant offering free meals to veterans, but the time to come together with our brothers and sisters. And here's a a quote from the book Soul Repair. She says, when veterans return to our communities after war, we owe it to them and to ourselves to do our best to support their recovery. We must be willing to engage the same intense moral questions that veterans undertake about our own responsibility as a society for having sent them to war. Now, some of us have been in war at home, so it's not going to be easy for some people to help the veterans returning from war. But at least today, I hope you'll have more of a consciousness or awareness that they need hugs if they made that decision, as I said, to have a relationship with the military. Boot camp, boot camp for war, kill, 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 kill. There are so many reasons why men and women chose to enter that relationship. And we should be honoring their return if they survive. That's the key. 
If they survive, brothers and sisters, you got a lot of lessons to teach. If you made that decision, it's not time to have guilt or shame or depression. It's like you have the now you've become a teacher. I don't want to go to war. Never, ever, ever. I will never teach about that type of war. But those of you, I want to encourage my brothers and sisters who went to uh, Vietnam or Iraq or Iran or Afghanistan and who are now submitting to the Palestine chaos, you're a teacher now if you survived that experience. So let me go to the phone and get your hear your voice. I really do want to hear from all anyone who can uh, contribute to this boot camp for peace and uh, contribute to the soul and body healing of our veterans on this day. This day has been designated Veterans Day. In the past, we may have had parades and all that, but as I read this book about soul repair, veterans are not really interested in parades and being a hero as much as they want to know how can I heal from this very traumatic, sometimes very challenging experience. So let me go to 872-200. Your mic is open. Welcome to uh, Viata's Health Oh, Good morning. This is uh, Kofi James. Uh, I'm a son of, Hello. I'm the son of a uh, <clears throat> Vietnam vet- veteran. Okay. What was My that father, like? Uh, well, yeah, uh, I wear his uh, his military hat a lot. Uh, very difficult because you know he was from California, and uh, he was a Purple Heart. He he saved four four or five guys who were shot. He picked them up and uh, ran them to the. Uh, the rescue helicopter, and after the fourth one, he goes, there's another guy I got to go get, and the, and the helicopter pilot just grabbed him and and pulled him into the helicopter and, and flew off. He said, that's enough, soldier, and brought him back, and uh, that's, when, that's when I was born, so I was a post-war child, uh, and uh, he he raised me for a few years, but it was very difficult because he had a lot of a lot of a lot of trauma that he you know he that he he experienced. You know he just he saw a lot of death around him. Um, but you know his his journey was pretty much you know we come I come from a church a church background, but. Me doing research on it is realizing that, you know, at that time in Vietnam War, uh, the firstborn had to solicit, had to go to the, to war. It wasn't a voluntary thing. The first uh, male child of a family right. had to go. Yeah. And the draft. Yeah, and the draft. Yep. And. The, the, these are evil people who who did that, trying to destroy um, what you call. Look in the Bible, the firstborn was like the first male born was like the the, the golden child, the the leader of the of the next generation. So they were trying to destroy the next generation. And for me, doing research on war and things like that. Um, we have a common we have a common enemy 
uh, to this world. There's one enemy, and I know who they are, and they know who I know who they are. To okay. come in to families. I'm not going to say who they are, but okay. I know who they are. It's a common right. enemy that keeps us into war, keeps us into fighting, trying to destroy the the, the family. Uh, if you even look at the, the COVID situation, when they shut down the businesses, guess what businesses they focused on, on closing? Family businesses. Churches, yeah. Itali- so Italian, yeah. Italian businesses. So what I'm saying is, war uh, to to heal these people who return is to let them know that they were a pawn that was used, and they have to realize that there's a common enemy that put them in that situation, and it's not their fault. Okay. If you signed Thank up. You- for- if you, if, if you signed up for the military, yes, they can take you to war at any time. So, but so it's thank not, you, for it's not, uh, not your fault. I, I really appreciate the son of a veter, Vietnam veteran's perspective because it just shows us how families are affected. There's, they want to send men and women over to Palestine right, or to um, Israel right now. But that's going to affect the families here. It's going to affect all of us. It's not just go, if they survive. And the, as Kufi as, as was pointing out, there's a common enemy. You know the common enemy is these corrupt, unconscious leaders in our government. Those are the enemies because they are not consciously considering the effect that sending men off to war is going to have. And for those of you who may not know, there is since 1985, there is an organization called Veterans for Peace, and they want to end all wars. I'm going to have to maybe get involved or at least look into what they're doing in my area. So that's the key is we want to end all wars at this stage. That's why hundreds of thousands of people are protesting all over the world right now. Ceasefire, not just in the Middle East, but forever, ever, ever. This is insanity. Uh, and I think the majority, as they're speaking up, have had enough. So let me go to another caller here, 253-235. Your mic is open. Welcome. Hi, it's Robin Lynn in Seattle. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Thank you, veteran, my female veteran friend. So, Robin Lynn, <laughs> thank you for – I know it's really early over there and watch the state of Washington. <laughs> but yes. thank you for – because she, when Robin Lynn has been on my show in the past, but Robin Lynn, just share with us a little bit about your own experience. I was shocked to read in this book that I'm reading that the number of women who have been uh, sexually assaulted in the military is very high. Yep. And they called it, here's what shocked me. Uh, this is, I'll read this one. When a group of victims sued the Department of Defense, their case was dismissed because rape was deemed an, quote, occupational hazard, quote, of military yep. service. So, Robin Lynn, you decided to join the military as an African-American female. Tell us why, first of all. I was an African-American female little girl. I was 17 
years old. Actually, I was 16 when I went down and took the ASVAB test, and I scored so high orders <laughs> right away. So when I showed up for my induction and they had all my paperwork, my birth certificate, they go, you're only 16. You lied. And I go, I didn't lie. You guys got so happy. You guys just processed me. So they told me I had to come back at 17 with uh, uh, a letter, a signature from my mother, from my parents. So I was 17. Robin, man, why did you have an interest to go into the military at that age? Well, I, uh, the educational system, I had realized uh, earlier on a few years that uh, it was unfair. I wasn't getting the same educational uh, opportunities and offerings such as college-oriented classes in eighth grade that my counterparts were getting, and I got some of the better grades, more better grades than they did. So when I realized that, I stopped going to class. I only attended the classes that I liked, drama, Spanish, and English. That was it. Okay. <laughs> you realize so, you benefits from the military, or you just wanted to do something different? Uh, um. A friend of mine uh, realized that I was headed for trouble, and they recognized uh, my intelligence, and so they suggested and encouraged me to go in the military. So then I I did my research and stuff like that, and and I marched on down there, took that test. <laughs> yes, yeah. So then when I came back at 17, uh, went through basic training. Uh, uh, let me see. One month, I was, I was in service. One month, I was enlisted. One month, I enlisted in February of uh, 1980, and in March of 1980, I was sexually assaulted by another military member. My first month in the military, and uh, you know that I went on to serve eight years after that. I and I developed full blown. <laughs> PTSD, and but I've learned so much about what happened, how that happened to me, and both the perpetrator. See, because they in the military, like, and you said it, kill, kill, kill. They put us on command, and they never take us off command. If you look at a guard dog or a police animal, they'll go up, right? Get them, right? And then when they've completed the task, they'll go down, boy, and take them off command. 
the military, they train us, they send us out there, and then they never debrief us, and they never take us off command. And then they send us back into general population, damaged, without any support, and without any help. And 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 it's it's it should be illegal, is what I say. Mhm. So I'm really glad to see you out here leading us to healing, self love, healing, because that's what they attack. They 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 systematically pick at you so that you. It doesn't even occur to you to love yourself. So, All right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do today to teach what you learned in that really challenging experience? Well, I'm very, very, uh, I'm an advocate for other veterans. Uh, and then I've got, I've got, I broadcast. So when I broadcast, I'm broadcasting, I have a network that I created, and I put out content that's helpful not only to veterans, but to basically everybody, if you will, you know, so, and then the, I've got different, different audiences, different, uh, 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 how could you say, genres. You know, yeah. like that. So there's a wide, a, wide variety of information that I. You have a gospel yeah. station. Yes, a gospel station, a jazz station, a Spanish station, <laughs> and we've got TV now as well. <laughs> yeah. So. So love, love, love you, my sister. Uh, thank you so much. I want to play a song for you and my, my and your veteran, your fellow veterans uh, today. That I've been, I started thinking as I was reading this book, Soul Repair. I kept singing this song in my head that by Darlene Check. She's an Australian worship leader. Have you ever heard of her? No, I haven't. Okay, you're going to love this song. It's really, it's non-denominational, no religious tone at all. But what it speaks to is getting back to a relationship, not with your military commander, not with the government, but with the creator and spirit and source. It's about you, you uh, the mountains that fall, you stand. It's about courage. It's about so many, but I love this song. My sister when she had breast cancer, she really introduced me to more and more of Darlene's music. But I used to listen to her back in the day, and I just loved her the way she had songs that were like me and you, yeah, me and you, creator. And this is one of those songs my soul knows very well. And I dedicate this to all my brothers and sisters who had that military experience. And this is where, like you do, Robin, so well, is bring music into the healing picture. So listen to, it's only about three minutes, but she's a beautiful artist, singer, and it's called My Soul Knows Very Well. Mm-hmm. 
So that song to me speaks of your relationship with the creator, the most high spirit, source, however you want to connect, instead of the relationship that you have with men, imperfect men, unconscious men, egotistical men. And that's the transition that we want to help our brothers and sisters make from the status of veteran and kill, kill, kill boot camp to boot camp for peace is about dwelling in the heart of hearts, as we've talked about before, about the heart being the center, that even a brain that is giving you the love for yourself that you need. And as she sings, even she talks, forgiveness is mine. We have to forgive ourselves as a society for allowing these corrupt governments to continue to build up this military-industrial complex that is all about money. It's all about money, people. What's going on right now in the Middle East is all about money and oil and so many other same picture that we're watching, this movie. We've seen this movie, okay? Hollywood's made movies about all these uh, crazy wars. And this is a time that we can stand with all the other thousands, hundreds of thousands of people around the world who are saying cease fire, and I mean we mean permanently. We want to stop this insanity and promote music as Robin's doing and begin to heal our land, our country, and starting physical land too because a lot of veterans have physical ailments partly, I think, because of unforgiveness. So later on I want to do some tapping with you to unrelease, to, to let go of the lingering emotions that could be causing you to have disease and uncomfortable emotions, low-frequency emotions, and so much more. So thank you, Robin Lynn, for sharing. I'll leave your mic open because uh, as the one female veteran right now, I, you might have a voice as we go along. I have another caller here. Uh, three two one three six eight. I believe is this Mikael? Yes. Hello. Good morning, sweetie. How are you? I'm blessed. Uh, blessings to you. In favor of the Most High. To everyone listening, um, Happy Veterans Day. Actually, as I'm listening listening to the program and listening to uh, responders and so forth, uh, I'm encouraged. Uh, Especially uh, when I heard um, Robin's uh, testimony, it kind of encouraged me uh, that there's something I'd like to talk to my daughter about. Uh, Kofi was mentioning the son of a Vietnam vet. Well, my son and my daughter are <laughs> children of a Vietnam vet. Uh, we all went into the Army. Uh, my dad was in the Army. And my elder brother, whom I wasn't raised with, I think I've told you uh, excerpts from that story at different times. Uh, he went in the service for a while, but he didn't stay. Uh, he ended up, because of difficulty, getting out early, I think, in less than a year. But he so did enter the service. Three generations of military um, performance, you, your father, you, and your children, right? Uh, yes. Okay, so that's, that's, and, deep. that's deep. Yes. And then in my second marriage, my stepson was, uh, 
you know, I, I believe I influenced him to go into service, too. He went into the Army. So we all were Army uh, vets. But anyway, um, as as I think upon the principle of war versus peace, uh, when I went into the service, uh, part of the uh, reason why um, I went in was because the old folk used to talk about the Army will make a man out of you, you know, it'll make you grow up, be mature, be courage and all and have discipline, all that, all those good, you know, good traits that's supposed to be strong masculine quality. And so that was part of it. And uh, I, um, also, I wanted to get out of the house anyway. I because my aunt, I was getting, I was getting a high uh, discipline, uh, rigor and training as all, you know, it's like all my life from the time that I uh, well, was actually raised by my aunt at five. And so uh, I had that discipline. And then in the service, the, the strict discipline that I had, that, all that combined, I guess, kind of had an effect on my mind so that I was ended up highly disciplined and aggressive because, as I said, you know, I was raised in an abusive atmosphere and everything. And then in, in the service, during your training, they're abusing you even though they're, they're trying to uh, make you fit or, or whatever and in various ways, they're, they're really, you, you're putting your body and your mind through abuse. But I wanted to say this. Uh, before I was even going, before I even entered the service, you know, they we were getting reports there at home about how they were putting uh, men of color uh, on the front lines and they were getting killed. And so I had a war. After I ended up, I got drafted, but uh, before I could before I could enlist, I got drafted because they got me as soon as I got out of school. I didn't even really have I didn't really have a chance to acclimatize and have a life outside of school before I was drafted, and so I didn't I didn't have time to enlist as I would have to you know to get out of the house and so forth. But anyway, I had this war inside. Because after I got drafted, I was like, I'm going to go over there. They're going to send me to Vietnam. I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to get killed. They're going to put me on the front line, just like they've been doing, and other other men of color. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to come back home. So I'll end up giving my life for my country. And so basically, that's that was my mentality, and that was the war that I had inside. You know, of of, of, of being killed. And so I had to live with that until I had various experiences over overseas that assured me that you're not going to die over here. You're not going to get killed. You're coming back home. And uh, and so basically, uh, I wasn't a Christian or anything, but I did study, the, you know, they give you a New Testament. I studied that. I went through that New Testament. Then I wanted the whole scripture, so I went, went to the uh, PX. I bought uh, a pocket-sized, complete uh, King James Version, and, and I went through that. And that kind of helped me with what you were talking about, uh, the soul healing. That kind of helped me with that war inside about, me being killed on the front lines. Uh, 
I began getting assurance that you're coming back. Because, I mean, I was in situations, death situations where I should have been dead a number of times. Uh, I won't go and iterate those, but uh, it was amazing. It, and I know that it was supernatural because being a radio uh, uh, radio operator, I was an RTO, and uh, I was always next to the captain. And when the captain ended up killed, I should have been, <laughs> obviously, uh, when he died, I should have died with him, but I didn't. We were separate. We got separated. He ended up dead, and I ended up, as I said, coming back home. And actually what I did was I just, you know, the Almighty Spirit, I was like, okay, if you, you know, okay, you say, basically, um, I'm going to make it. I'm coming home, and if I do, I'll serve you. And so that was sort of my ideology. But when I came home, uh, this aggressive, you know, we were trained to kill because I was in the infantry. You know, we were trained to kill doing our uh, training and stuff. Uh, we had to yell that out as we trained, kill, 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 like what you were saying earlier, you know. And so, I, you know, personally, I didn't want to kill anybody. Um, my mentality was this. The only reason I felt why I would kill the enemy or whatever is if he was trying to, because they taught us that brotherly camaraderie. So if they were trying to kill my fellow uh, soldier, yeah, I'm going to kill you. At least I'm going to try to kill you to stop you from killing him or trying to kill me. And so, there's, you know, self-defense. So that was my, my reason, because we were disillusioned about the war. We were, we were lied to, and, and also in the, in the military, they have an, uh, a small newspaper called Stars and Stripes. And that's a that's a, a another that's a, a avenue of propaganda, you know. And so I didn't find out until after I had come out of service that we had been disillusioned because you know they were telling us, "Oh, you're fighting for freedom. You're fighting for you're defending your country," blah blah blah, and all of this. And so uh, after I came back, after actually it was after two years, I ended up married, and and then. Uh, about a year after getting married, and we started having children. And so here I was with this strict uh, aggressiveness in me and, and, and my experience from Vietnam, uh, my, my experience from being raised in an aggressive, abusive manner, all of that spilled off into my family life. So, you know, my wife had, I mean, I tried to be loving and all of that stuff, but I hadn't really experience like love coming up and so I didn't really know how to express affection love and all those kind of things but I tried I was it was I was trying to break out from that and after being kind of abusive to the children at first and the children being afraid of me I was like no I don't want that I don't I don't want to raise them the way I was raised I, and so I changed and started a different approach and and approach to life, I started doing introspection, seeing how I was, and then, of course, like you're talking about soul healing. Now, they were supposed to give us debriefing. I don't remember anything about debriefing even. I don't even know if they even, if they gave it to to, to us, but we had to uh, find a way, and some, I know some other, some other soldiers uh, that are friends of mine that they, it's like they couldn't resolve. They couldn't resolve that war within. And so that war within would just uh, manifest outwardly. You know, some of them would go 
back and, and have flashbacks and, and react and people around them scared to death because you got this military person that's uh, uh, mobilizing and what and whatever. And so, uh, and, and then my mentality was, hey, you know, you don't mess with me because I will declare war on your ass. I mean, excuse my French, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's how it was. And so, uh, but the, the scriptures helped me to actually resolve over a period of time some of that inner turmoil and war that I was going through and bringing me towards the uh, concept of peace within. Yeah, I mean, it took years and years, and then people outside of myself that encouraged me, like you. And uh, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to care. I can keep going, but I'm going to stop there. Well, I, I am honored to be in your life to learn from you what that experience was like. And as we've talked so much, we both were – saying how we had these seasons of our life that we look back on and we all we can do is say, wow, what did I learn from that? And you are just a great teacher. And um, Mikael could talk forever, but he was telling me a story about being, as a teacher, being in a classroom where children were being rebellious and disobedient and one child attacked him and he almost killed him trying to restrain him, but something kicked in in his soul that said, I don't want to kill this person, even though the, the beauty of your story is even though you had that training, kill, 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 in a classroom with youth who were rebellious and wanted to attack you, you were able to muster up your soul level, heart-to-heart relationship and say, I'm not going to kill this kid, but I got to figure out a way to restrain him. So I appreciate you so much, and, and your story needs to be told far and wide, because that is what's going to heal, I think, many veterans. So let me go to um, and uh, Robin. Did you have any comments? I, Robin, I'm, before I go to Kwame, I see Kwame's hand is up, and I know he has um, a lot to share as a Vietnam veteran, too. But, Robin, if you're still there, I'm wondering, did you have any relationship with your creator, with Source, mm-hmm. while you were in the military? How did that uh, look for you? Uh, uh, God's hand has been on me since about the age of seven is okay. what I can tell you. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. and, and, but I can say that it, my relationship with God so much conscious as it is like today, like now I'm a minister, evangelist, you know, because I was really, really young, but but God has always I I've always walked with Him. And he's always walked with me. Yes, most definitely. So, so, so what that says to me is that as we tap out the the grief, the guilt, the unforgiveness, we can go into the statement that it's all in divine order. Because as both of you are sharing, mm-hmm. you were protected. You knew, mm-hmm. even though you in this military relationship, you had a, a deeper relationship with your creator, with source, with spirit, uh-huh. that told you you're going to be okay, but you get, you need to learn this lesson. That's how I look at the, the people who were in the military and who survived. You had a lesson to learn to teach to the world, society, 
and you now know that it was all in divine order. And that's the beauty, and that's the celebration I think we can have today for our veterans who survived, that it was in divine order. Now, what are you going to teach us? And so I'm going to open up Kwame. I'm leaving the mics open for Robin and Mikhail. But Kwame, your mic is open, uh, my brother. And I know a lot about what we're doing today, but I don't maybe share a little bit about your Vietnam experience. Kwame Sunhorse, your mic is open. Yes, grand rising to you, Sister Viata, and greetings to Robin and Mikael, and thank us for sharing, you know, these words of life experience, because these are the truths that you know best, you and your creator. And yes. for me, being a Vietnam veteran, I came up in, in a war zone and growing up in the projects. And I stabbed my first man-child at seven years old. And so I had a dysfunctional family life, but also came up in an environment that was, quote-unquote, you know, a struggle for living each day. The part that I had when I left Chicago and went to, because of the gangs, had came to my house and told my mom that they was going to kill me. The part for it was that she sent me to Texas, and my aunt that I lived with turned around and was going, her husband was in the Air Force and was going to England. And instead of me wanting to come back to Chicago to the war zone and dealing with that, I signed up for the military. And lo and behold, graduation day from boot camp, I got orders to go to Cameron Bay, Vietnam. And that in itself was not a real shock because I had seen the war on television. I had lived in the streets of Chicago. And so for me, it was like, okay, I'm going into something I, I know how to deal because there was a part of it that had not really been seen in my life when I was out and had the the mortar rounds to come in. We were in Cameron. And the thing that we saw is that people that I was drinking with, now I was putting them in body bags. And the pieces of, of human flesh and, and the smell of flesh. But even the first time that I, I, I took a human life, it was a trauma that you can't you can't erase it. You can't get rid of it. And the part for me was is that the introduction already was an alcoholic coming there, but getting introduced to heroin even made it more so because I could deal with, put that pain to rest for a while. So those parts of, of myself and then returning home and walking out of the gate and having protesters call you baby killers and all of that, the part for me was it was a very – traumatic experience and then coming back into the world and coming back into the community and seeing the same guys that I grew up with still hanging on the corner drinking wine. That really did something because I saw the unity of black men in Vietnam that would die for you. I mean, we had a, we had a, a bond. If we brought that to America, we could go far. 
part mm. for me was is that it took 10 years until 1981. I came out in 71. And it took 10 years for me to finally go and get some help because I almost killed my brother. And my mom told me that she never wanted to see me again if I didn't get some help. And for that part of those 10 years of living with that hell and within myself, the part for me was it was that that incident with my brother. And by the way, I was the one who introduced my brother to drinking and drugging, and my brother died. And I have to live with that part because I changed. I was able to recover myself, but he couldn't. And so these are the things in which I have to live with. And what I started once and still have all of the information is we need a reboot camp, and I think Robin was talking about it. Because they don't debrief you. We need – they put us through a boot camp of two months, and going through that boot camp, you need that reboot camp. But I was grateful that I had an elder in my teachings named Bearheart who taught me how to return the shadow man this way indigenous people do. When the warrior comes back from war, they take him out and they put him in nature and they perform ceremonies until they can get part of that man back because that shadow man is what's been brought out of the man when he's been trained to go to war. So it was through those teachings that I was able to get a, a, a conscious contact with my creator. And it was through the program, through being able to get off of the drugs and get off of the alcohol and began to search for who was who was Kwame Sunhorse. Who was he for real? Who Not this person that they made, not this person that, that came up in the streets, but who was it that the creator allowed me to take a breath and have a heartbeat to become? And so this has been my journey now. And I thank, you know, my brother and sister for sharing this, is because we know deeper the understanding of what war really does. And the part for us is is that we have to begin to stand up and say, yeah, we were heroes abroad, but, you know, now we're home. And there is no heroes in, in this, this country for war. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I so um, love that your, all of your testimonies, they just teach us so much about how we can be better. We can be better. So as, I, as you all talk, I want to give you a tapping, a tapping procedure to go to use if you choose, and anyone listening now or in the future, because all the things you said can help you let go of the war within. Because there's a war when, when men and women choose to have a relationship with the military, psychopathic government, and have commanders and lieutenants and captains telling them how to live their life, how to go kill, 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 then there's a, that's the war within because, as you all shared, your soul is affected by that. And it's only a relationship with creator who is in us. That creator is in us. Our soul knows very well, and the heart of hearts 
that she talks about song is about the blood pumping and the circulation and mind and all it's telling us we are greater than these kill-kill uh, uh, robots that were produced. So as you journey uh, in this new environment of war, where governments and media are pushing more war propaganda, uh, there's a war that we don't see that's happening within, and I want to help all of our veterans let go of the emotions that are causing disease, PTSD, sickness. So as you know, in tapping, you start out tapping on the side of your hand with, even though, and I would, I would, all of you, if you can, to participate if you want, even though I chose to sign up for a kill program, I deeply love and respect myself because it was all in divine order. That's the key to letting go of emotion. And then you can go to the the middle of the eyebrow and realize I signed up for military uh, experiment, really, or, or military adventure, and I killed or killed whatever your experience is outside of the eyebrow, that military experience took me to war inside and outside, and now I'm choosing to let go. I'm letting go of the guilt. I'm letting go of the shame. Go to the chief. Go the sadness of people, the blood flowing in the street. Letting go of that sadness. Uh, letting go of the depression that we Letting go of body bags and the horror of it all because it was all in divine order and now okay. And then you tap on the top of your head, I'm letting go of the tears that may be still stuck in me for all of that said tears. Letting because it's all and now and you keep tapping on gratitude. I'm grateful that I survived. I'm grateful that I now have an opportunity to teach. I'm grateful that I, I have an opportunity now to turn that kill, kill, kill into love, love, love. I'm grateful now that boot camp prepared. I am grateful and thankful that I can now do what I was called to do from the beginning. But I had to about the darkness that many people experience and walk in love, walk in love, gratitude, and power, and so my body is healing and becoming powerful, sovereign being that I was created to be. And then you grab your breath, take a deep breath, take a deep breath, deep breath, breath, and then let it out, peace. And I'm always available as a holistic life coach to help anyone who hears this message to go deeper and more. But that is a basic tapping body talk. That's a basic body talk to help you let go of the war within and come to peace and begin to do the work that you are now to do. Let me read a few comments. Uh, uh, before, before you before you read that, I, you know, I just want to comment on something you just said about self-talk and all that stuff. Uh, 
you know, as a child, I used to talk to myself, and my aunt would hear me, and she said, "Boy, boy, crazy people talk to themselves." <laughs> and so, uh, I didn't really accept that because when I was put down and told that I was retarded or crazy or whatever, I didn't, I didn't take it on because I knew I was smart, and a lot of times I would outsmart them. And uh, but anyway, uh, self-talk. I do a lot of that now, and that's that's a great. Uh, method or tool that, you, you know, you can use, or veterans can use to just go inside, you know, uh, and spend, I used to be, a, I used to work for Chrysler before I went in a service, uh, actually after I came out of the service, uh, used to work for Chrysler and uh, I was an inspector. And so, you know, what inspectors, you, know, you know, everybody understands what inspectors do. And so, I self-inspect, and I still do that. I do that a lot. I talk to myself a lot, and sometimes I'll ask myself, well, why did you do such and such and so forth? And then I'll tell myself, well, you got issues. And so then since I told myself I got issues, <laughs> then I realized I got to deal with those issues, all right? And yeah. so there we go. Yeah. And so I do that. And then, of course, with help, you know, and all of that, I'm able to uh, uh, progress towards that ultimate peace that passes understanding. So I'm shutting up with that. And, and so I want to thank, thank Kwame, especially for some of the things that he was sharing, that you were sharing. I mean, it, it seemed like it would be hard to share some of that stuff, but you shared it with us. And I want to thank you and also, Robin, also with, with uh, what you shared, uh, too. I mean, it wasn't really the easiest thing, and so and you shared it with us. Thank you for that. And I have a great some audios about veterans sharing, more veterans sharing. I think because Juan has done so much work on himself, that's when you can open up and share. A lot of veterans don't share because there's no one listening, and and they don't have an opportunity to share. Uh, Zelda, for instance, said, Grand Rising, beautiful queen, thanks so very much for honoring vets. She attended a beautiful event yesterday honoring men and women in Glenwood, Chicago. No. Now, as I'm reading this book, that's one thing they don't want. They don't like to be, quote, honored in, in a way that says, oh, you were a hero. Uh, because still, some of them, not all of them, some of them are still feeling the guilt that I killed people, that I shed blood, that I had the body back. And so I think as we go forward in this day even, let us sensitive to have a conversation with some of these men who may not want to be honored. They may want to just cry. You know, that may, instead of serving them tea and coffee and cakes and cookies, they may need somebody to say, let's go out for dinner, let's talk. Because they're holding on to a lot of stress, some of them. And, and I read in this book I'm reading, I read about a man shot himself in the head at 88 years old. He never let go of the tension and stress of war. He only dealt with it through food addictions, drugs, through alcohol, and then boom, he just had enough. He shot himself. And that's what's happening. That's the reality in our society today. Twenty-some veterans are committing suicide every day. And here we are still dealing with this psychopathic government wanting to send more men and women over to a war that will create the same mental conflict and stress. So, Naima, yes, yes, go ahead. 
Okay, and thank Mikhail for that part in which he self-talk. The part that I learned about for myself was I'm only as sick as my secrets. The creator knows what I have done. I know what I have done. And allowing myself to to be transparent, then I have an opportunity to make change. That's the self-talk. Because when I talk about myself, then I have an opportunity to allow someone to hear that you're not alone. You're not alone in what you're, you may have done or what you may be thinking. The part of it is, is being able to know that there are unity. That's why I say thank us because we're all one spirit. We may attempt to hide ourselves, but all hidden comes to light. And if the creator can let the sun rise each day on us and knowing all that we have done and allow us to have another opportunity to make change, then how are we to judge another? Because we didn't make another. Creator made us all. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for that. And, And Naima Latif says, Grand Rising, beautiful teacher, thank you for bringing the higher consciousness perspective. It's time for humanity to evolve out of war as a way of life. Please stop sending your sons and daughters to the military to teach them, quote, discipline. You can teach them how to make the beds, iron their clothes, shop shoes, and get to work on time at home. <laughs> I love that. Because my grandchildren, at, my grandson, we try to teach them to make their beds at 7, and that's a real challenge because they're like, why, why do I need to make my bed? Because it's discipline. Well, what does that have to do with my life as a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old? That's the kind of conversations I'm having. But it is true. We start young. We start them young. And we have conversations with them. So that they so can I say something? Can I say something really quick? Yes. I agree. We definitely need to stop sending our children into the military because Discipline is not what they're getting. They're getting damaged. They're getting abused. They're getting put on command and never taken off. And so it's it's like you 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 are you're shirking and sending your kids off to anyone any institution. Uh, uh, for discipline or any other thing, you you're you're thinking is wrong. You bear the responsibility for your children. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and so, Robin, um, because of the comment that Zelda's making, I want to ask you about sexual abuse, okay? Because I want to help women. Mm-hmm deal with that differently than they have as victims. Let me let me read Zelda's comment. She says, wow, how cruel is it that being abused in the Army and then told that abuse is all part of the job? Shell, that's, it's a boys' club for sure. And we yeah. wonder why the in the condition it is in today. You, my military sister, Robin, she's talking to you, are a force to stay there another eight years. Thank you. For your service, congrats on all your broadcasts. And Zelda is also uh, a media person, so she's, I'm sure, celebrating you as joining her 
career or her or her, her that she's given in broadcasting and continue to bless the vet soul. I, you know, I, I hear so many women who struggle as victims of sexual abuse. Robin, how, you know, it, it's almost amazing that how is after two months of service being sexual abuse, how is the process that sexual abuse to be continued in your divine assignment as in the military? That, that just, people are probably wondering, what the hell, how did that happen? It, it it was it 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 wasn't easy and and right. uh and I experienced I got I got very ill before before I got like well before I overcame. It right. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh. And okay. and in the getting in the getting ill, uh, it broke me completely down, uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually. I mean, and then I was also homeless after I got out of the Air Force for 15 years. On top of that, in that condition, you're breaking up. Uh, I'm sorry, but i I was in a I was in a place that I kind of had to start looking inward. I had to get a grip because I was in some real dangerous places, being out there homeless and not all there and not all present, you know, in my in my in my head. So. I started going to uh, therapy, counseling. I got real honest with myself. And the main thing is I accept that I, uh, I, I have limitations. You know, this happened to me, but, but I know that I'm okay. And so there's lots of things that I can't do anymore. But if I can't do that, then I just do something else. And then I open my mouth and I share my experiences so that someone doesn't have to go do what I did. If you if you ever want to be better, help someone. Help anyone. And it can be the most mundane thing you're doing to help. So. <laughs> now, the abuser did did they ever uh, did they ever deal with the abuser? Did you? Have, the bigger question is: Did you forgive him? Did you forgive the person who abused who uh, attacked you? It was. Uh, I never reported what happened to me in the military, and I didn't uh, publicly acknowledge uh, uh, the sexual assault. It was uh, 10 years after I was out of the service. So, and and I did come to a place where I forgave this person because guess what? I got my disability compensation. 
due to PTSD because of that one event that happened to me from the first job I ever had. Okay? So that was God setting me up for life. And I began to look at it not as a setback, but as a set up. And I'm like mm. very grateful, extremely grateful. I don't have to work. Uh, 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 Uncle Sam has paid all of my bills, my medical, my dental, all of that. I'm I'm blessed beyond measure, and and very content in that. So. I'm actually, if I saw that person right now, I would probably thank him. No. <laughs> okay. No. Give him a hug. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also concerned for that person because I understand that they put us on command. And they never take us off. And when, so, so, so he didn't get there by himself. You understand? He did not get there by himself, and he's a veteran just like me. He was abused. He was put on command. He wasn't debriefed, and there there is no support for him, just like there's still not a lot of support, not from the active military, the people who are actively turning us out, if you will. Okay? Yeah. So I pray for that for that person. I hope that that person was able to get a grip of themselves and overcome, so that they they don't have children. They didn't damage their children. You know, I I I, I don't know. I just because we're all connected. It's one spirit. There's one. Body, we're all members of the body of Christ. There's one body. So when one of us is sick, we're all sick. And that's what and that's what that song is about. My soul knows very well that we're all one. People walk around with this separate separate idea or this idea of separation that the people over in the Middle East are separate from us and the people in Chicago are separate from me in Florida. No, we're all one spirit, one soul having a journey. We're all connected. We're all like these sparks from uh, heaven down here having this experience. And you, you said that so well, how you actually saw it as a setup. That is such a mature conscious attitude and perspective, Robin, that I just, I applaud you for that because, and celebrate, because whenever we have traumatic events happen to us, I've learned that my 68 years, I mean, Kwame and Mikael are in their 70s, so I, I love to hear their stories as well as yours because we all have had a different journey, but we're still one in this human being uh, desire to heal and do what our, our divine assignment. And you realize as you get older, this is my point, that we've all been set up to learn the lessons and then to give thanks to the Most High, your source, spirit, whatever you call because it's a setup. We all we go through these trials and tribulations, marriages, divorce, 
children, blah, 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 blah. And you say, oh, my goodness, I was set up. Because here I am. I don't have to pay any bills. I'm all, I'm, all the money's coming in for me. Oh, set up. And then you realize so many ways to give thanks and express gratitude. Uh, so let me go to another caller here. 312-882. Your mic is open. Welcome. Thank you. Shalom and Aslam Lakeham, Dr. B, Minister Plump in Chicago, Illinois. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Now, you're another vet. Are you a Vietnam veteran? Yes, ma'am. I am a Vietnam veteran, and I am uh, participating in PS, uh, PTSD also. However, I'm the happiest man in the world. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, God is good. I mean, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, and I'm wise. It's mind over matter. And I'd like to say thank you uh, to uh, Robin and happy Veterans Day to all the veterans because I experienced Vietnam, uh, you know, as a veteran. And, and matter of fact, I experienced hell. You know, in in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, I experienced hell so much until, uh, you know, I'm totally against any war, any violence. You know what I mean? That's what my experience came to be. Uh, you know, I'm totally against the war in uh, in in Israel, Israel and Hamas, and in any violence. You know, uh, for as uh, the Harold Washington Foundation in Chicago and, and Plump Music Productions uh, is against all violence because violence is torment. Uh, it's a disrespect to uh, all God's children. You know, uh, Dr. V, you all are absolutely correct and exact, and, and Robin is right on time. It was designed, the system was designed for her to be a setback. See, but she she figured it out that it's a setup for her to look up. She fell down, and when you fell, fall down on your back, you can look up and you can get up. So I wanted to commend her and all the veterans, you know, hold your head up high, you know, to the sky. And we got a special uh, uh, event this coming uh, uh, Sunday, Uh, you know, uh, tomorrow is officially uh, Veterans Day, uh, Saturday. However, we will be uh, celebrating Veterans Day uh, at, at Lake Grove Village here in Chicago. You know, and it takes a village to raise one child, and nobody can raise a kid. And that's a that's a that's a dynamite word that we must uh, we must eliminate because kid is the danger. It's the it's the negative. It's the uh, violence in any human being. You know, in human being, you know, uh, we all are one. It equals to uh, uh, twenty nine. And 29 is, uh, uh, means human being. And then you all in the female solution, thank God for the female solution. It is a healing. See, so, so, uh, Robin received a healing, which is a blessing. And we all are way on Yah. We are one in God, in Christ, Yahshua, who most know is Jesus Christ. So we're going to be at Lake Grove Village, 
this coming Sunday at 3515 South Cottage Grove here in Chicago, go celebrating the veterans. And we're going to have some plump and juicy uh, Peace Carver by Sister uh, uh, Lolita, okay? Uh, and she's going to have a free piece, uh, uh, Peach Carver, uh, you know, first come, first serve. And uh, that time is going to be from 2.30 to 4.30. And for brothers and sisters that want to come to the meeting and enter in the building, uh, then they got to call 312-882-5935 and ask for Minister Plump to make them get in, and it's free, and we're going to be honoring all of the veterans. So everybody is welcome if you're a veteran or you're not, you know, and if you're experiencing something in a negative way, then come in the door in a PMA way and see how good God is going to bless you to come out with success, breed success. And and the female solution is the 23 radio block TV station, and it's the greatest in the world, and I love it. And, and, and we love you, Dr. B. Keep up the good work, yeah? And you God too, thank you. you. Thank you, Mr. Plum. Now, you know I was rolling my eyes when you're talking about peach cobbler. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, dear, here we go with the comfort food. And I was talking to Mikael about this last night. We could, we talk about so much. And it was like, do you want to go get the free junk food meal and the sugar and all that? And he's like, well, no, not really. But, you know, there's something that says, I remember that peach cobbler. And just let's put some ice cream on top of it. <laughs> Really feel the comfort and the adrenaline and the dopamine. So enjoy and most of all, have share the love because that's what it's really all about. But I want on a more serious. I want to encourage the the Vietnam vets to do more, be more vocal and out there as these guys who threw away their medals. I don't know if you heard this audio. Uh, Zelda played it on her Monday show, and I played it on Sunday. And I think we need to keep this 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 uh, message uh, going forward to end all wars. That these guys who are mostly, it sounds like, from the um, Afghanistan-Iraq wars, and then one guy threw in Palestine, these guys are really waking up to the idea that, man, I don't want to play this, this crazy racket, this war racket game. So listen to this. Uh, how some of the younger generation are feeling about being awarded and honored with their medals. I'm turning in these medals today for the people of Afghanistan, Iraq, Palestine, and all victims of occupation across the world. I'm here to return my Global War on Terrorism medal and my National Defense medal because they're both lives. I'm returning my medals today because under the guise of freedom and democracy, I stole the humanity of the Iraqi people and lost mine. As part of the invasion of Iraq in 2003, and out of love and respect, out of the Iraqi people and the people of Afghanistan, I'm going to return these representations of hate and destruction back where they came from. Humanize people all around the world because one of the first friends I made is 
is Palestinian, and I spent the summer in, in West Bank. For the first time, I learned a little bit what it fe feels like to be on the receiving end when I was tear gassed in a little village uh, just south of Ramallah. The only medal I'm going to keep is the humanitarian service one I got for being in New Orleans, because that's the only thing that we should be doing as humans. Jail, the USA government and Israel need to be held accountable for the war crimes, genocide, torture, and drone attacks. I'm returning my medals. Take a have I was a nuclear biological chemical specialist for a war that didn't have any weapons of mass destruction. I'm one of 40,000 people that left the United States Armed Forces because this is a lie. I'm giving back my medals for the children of Iraq and Afghanistan. May they be, they be able to forgive us for what we've done to them. May we begin to heal and may we, may we live in peace. I'm here to return my medals because I cannot stand in solidarity and peace with my brothers and sisters in Iraq and Afghanistan as long as I wear them. Instead of liberating the people, I was liberating their oil fields. I am returning my medal today because I want to live by my conscience rather than being a prisoner of it. I will not continue to trade my humanity for false heroism. I'm going to toss this medal today for the 33,000 civilians who died in Afghanistan that won't have a monument built for them. This medal right here is for the one-third of the women in the military that are sexually assaulted by the peers. We talk about staying up for our sisters in Afghanistan, we can't even take care of our sisters here. And this medal right here, because I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of you. I'm sorry. So these men and women expressing sorrow, asking for forgiveness, is the boot camp for peace now. We are, we are no longer as a conscious society, community, experienced veterans. We are no longer boot camp for war. We are boot camp for peace, asking for forgiveness for what all the lives that they participated in taking and so here's a few more voices. These are really short, too. I, I kept them less than five minutes. Really short about what's going on in our society, especially in America, with an end for all wars. Boot Camp for Peace is active. Veterans for Peace is active. And I encourage all of us to look into these things so that we can stop sending our children. I don't want my grandchildren going to war. So we have to act now to put an end to this and tell our gov let our government, all those Zionists in Washington and Israel, that, no, we don't want to play this bracket anymore. So here's a few more voices uh, who are speaking. Finding peace through the barrel of a gun is just not possible. So I feel ashamed of, of the work I did. Um, and. I don't think there really is a, is a point of pride in having to, to take the life of, of somebody, even if they're an enemy. When I went to Iraq, I was an air advisor, and I worked directly with the Iraqi people, helping them to rebuild their military. And that never really sat right with me. It was. It was, I was helping rebuild something that we had destroyed. To me, being a veteran like life means learning from mistakes and learning from your experiences. And I 
think being a veteran and having worked for an organization that exists for war, if you don't leave that organization and learn something about yourself and about what war is and then use it, then you haven't really, in my opinion, spent your time worthwhile in the military. Much of the American public is insulated from the realities of military life and warfare. A very high proportion of people serving in Congress who've never served in active duty, and yet these are the people who are making the decisions to send people off to war. As my grandfather said, guys like me get sent to war. It's not those politicians who are fighting the wars. Uh, my grandfather also gave me the title of my book. Well, I profile a very small number of veterans in the book. I want to get in-depth into a very small number of stories, and I purposely designed this so that I would have one story from each war, starting with World War II. The war was over, and everybody wanted to buy me drinks and buy the, you know, the guy was, I was like a hero, you know. I felt uneasy because I used to say, why are these people buying these things for me after I kill him, all these, you know, that's, that's nothing to be proud of. I felt a little guilty, but I didn't really know. So it's one of the things that really struck me about the stories that I tell in Guys Like Me is the ways in which these military veterans turned peace activists are so committed to not just reconciliation with former enemies, but really talking about former enemies as fully human beings. I don't know why they're patting us on the back. You kill all these sons, brothers, you know, people that were loved by everybody else. You didn't even know them. You go kill them? What kind of a person are you to do something like that? Some people might view peace activists as weak, as perhaps effeminate, as perhaps uh, advocating that the United States should be weak. My experience of interviewing and, and spending time with veterans who are peace activists is that they are among some of the strongest people that I've ever met. They are exhibiting a certain type of bravery that to me is exemplary and I think serves as an example of a redefinition of strength, that we can be strong in advocating for justice, strong in advocating for peace, strong in advocating for a world where nations treat each other as equals and, and are not bullying each other. To me, that's a new form of heroism that is not the kind of heroism we see in the movies about war, but it's the kind of heroism that in this day and age we need a lot more of. Coming up with the idea of holding a people's tribunal to hold accountable U.S. weapons manufacturers for aiding and abetting the United States government in committing crimes against humanity and war crimes. And the idea for the tribunal is for us to present evidence to jurors from across the globe who will deliberate on this evidence and decide whether U.S. weapons manufacturers are guilty of knowingly producing weapons that kill civilians. Grassroots justice. This is what happens when the courts have been captured by the criminals, when a government is non-responsive, the people form a tribunal of their own and present the evidence and demand action based on what they presented. 
We'll be showing how these weapons manufacturers lobby and influence members of Congress, how they influence and have hijacked the United States foreign policy, how they create needless war for profit. The opening session is November 12th. It's coming up in less than two weeks. It's a Sunday evening. It will be live streamed. It is free. And if people go to merchantsofdeath.org, that's merchantsofdeath.org, you can register there and you're good to go. President of the National Board of Directors of Veterans for Peace. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of veterans. Across the uh, United States here, we have uh, about 160 chapters, and we've had chapters in Ireland. Uh, we're forming a chapter in Okinawa. We have uh, a chapter in Mexico. What we have learned in our collective experience as veterans is that in the long run, violence does not win out. It doesn't pay, and it's counterproductive. Our main initiative really is the cost of war. That's what we talk about as, as an organization most of the time. And when I say cost of war, it's not just the financial cost, it's the human cost, it's the environmental cost, it's all the cost of war. Veterans for Peace wants to make sure that people understand that war is not a game, um, that there's a deep, deep cost, emotional cost of war. These are the types of things that we talk about and try to educate people on so they understand um, that war is a choice and, and that war is not going to solve the problems that, that it's claimed that it will solve. Who, who knows? Well, that's an introduction to, for those of you who didn't know, there is an organization international called Veterans for Peace. And just like the guy uh, promoted the the uh, tribunals about the merchants of death living here in Orlando. I think about Lockheed Martin a lot because I knew people had neighbors who worked for them. They paid them very well. They had houses, big houses, but they're, they are merchants of death. Lockheed Martin employs people, but they're merchants of death. And I, I drive, I drove by their, their uh, facility many times. And I just think now I look at them as merchants of death. Yes, they employ a lot of people, but as he said, our government is not responsive. And it's up to us, those who are conscious and waking up to the reality of, of what war really is about, merchants of death, and a racket. It's a racket of military industrial, all of that. We were born for such a time as this to promote boot camp for peace. And I very grateful for all the people in my life who are helping me do my job to promote boot camp for peace and to help people heal their bodies, mind, and soul. Remember, as you tap into talk to your body, let go of the guilt. Veterans, let go of the guilt. Forgive yourself. Get into joy because now you are able to see the lessons that you need to teach. 
we need to teach to an unconscious society. And I, for one, don't want my grandchildren going to war. So, And they're talking about bringing the draft back because people are not signing up. Hallelujah. So uh, it's our job now to make a difference and end all wars. And we, I think we can do it because what these demonstrations all over the world, the ceasefire demonstrations are saying, we're ready to end all wars, not just this major one in the Middle East, but all wars. So uh, thank you all for being here. I want to just give, if there's any last words from either Robin or, uh, let's see, Mikhail or Kwame, uh, your mic is still open before we close. I was thinking about this uh, just now. Um, from my studies, I, you know, I was made, I was, under, I understand that it was the aliens that taught man to war, uh, people on earth to war. And from what I understand now, there's uh, there's an accelerated, I'll say, communication and interaction between the aliens and people now. And yeah. and so there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of uh, reports about the high technology and all the stuff that people are being. Um, exposed to but see here's the thing uh the people that are in power that are finding out these mass massive uh, technological innovations they're using them for purposes of war and and destruction they're talking about a a bomb that's 24 times uh greater than the hydrogen bomb what do you need something like that for i'm shutting up that's it yeah any other words Yes, and I thank you for sharing that, and I would like to get more information on the tribunal because we have to make the manufacturers of these tools of war because these are the web, these are the, the people that benefit from producing these tools of killing. And until we make them accountable, they will keep using these, these, these governments will keep using, they will keep manufacturing and selling them to people because it benefits them. Death is a benefit. Why haven't we decided to say that gun makers and, and ammunition makers and Lockheed Martin making these, these vehicles to destroy, then we have to, we're not going to make any change until we get the source that causes the destruction. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, uh, Robin, uh, do you have any words? Yeah. There is something that we can definitely do that is a sure shot, effective way to even nullify the damage. And that is by um, when we, when we, uh, when the people enlist in the military, when our children, when our friends, whomever enlist in the military, then those of us that are aware, these veterans, need to begin the educational process right then and there. And since we know 
that the military still is not debriefing them, we can walk through them with through their military experience and then debrief them when they get out of the service and help okay. them reintegrate. Yeah. Does that make how sense? About, how about we start in elementary school telling them about the hell of war so we scare them to death so they don't even want to think about it. That's my well, I, I, do it. I, I agree with you. However, you're still going to have people uh, going in because, well, my bike was a veteran, you know, like that. So you're still going to have people <laughs> uh, going in. So we want to, we, we, I believe that there, there are efforts that we can take to, to, to nullify the damage since we know that the military is never going to do it. Yeah, well, on every level, we can be effective to deter and discourage any participation in war. And we have to look at how Hollywood glorifies war and really be there to teach young people that that's not the reality of war. That's not how it is. So thank you all for sharing uh, your story. And let us continue um, to be the light, to be the healers and bring the joy that men and women need after their service and to bring the education and knowledge that our children need to not even consider uh, that. So uh, everybody have a great day. It's a beautiful day in Florida in the 80s. I'm going to the beach. So uh, everybody have a great weekend. And please be the light, be the educator, and be the voice of resistance to the merchants of death and this government that is not responsive in any way, even now, to ceasefires. But we can, I think it's our job, not our government's job, to stop the horror and the, uh, the confusion of war as a racket. So let us just do our job as conscious individuals. So we're going to say, uh, let me just check uh, before I go if there's any other comments. Uh, in Facebook, I think we covered all the comments. Yes. All right. Thank you all in Facebook, YouTube, and Blog Talk for joining me. Appreciate you so much. We're going to now say uh, goodbye to our global family. I love this ending because, once again, it emphasizes and reminds us that we are all one. We are one big global family. And we should... We've come to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the female solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, 
I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsamida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran, Thank you, and may peace be upon you, and the mercy of God, and God's blessing.